Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To Hockey Hot Dish, a Minnesota Wild podcast from Hockey Wilderness SB Nation. I am Matthew Smith. You can find me on Twitter at From Tape to Tape. And I'm very lucky to have a guest here with me today from Habs Eye on the Prize, Scott Matlud. Uh, hi, uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, We were talking just before the show that it's kind of weird that we have two almost back to back Hab Wild games because normally they play. Once early in the season, then both teams forget the other one exists until like March when they randomly show up on the schedule again. So uh, I appreciate uh, you having me on, talk a little bit of pregame and everything here. Yeah, we're kind of blessed to be able to have uh, the Wild play the Habs last week uh, and then having them again, they'll be playing this. This episode will be going out on Tuesday morning, still so playing the night of, um, which is kind of interesting. They're kind of in weird spots right now. I think both teams are. Um, maybe on different organizational trajectories, but I think they both had similar starts. Yours was surprising. <laughs> I would think it's safe to say while the wilds was kind of disappointing, but there were some players that sort of had similar starts. Uh, actually, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, the last game that the wild played against the Habs, they did manage to win and it sort of kicked off. Uh, it was Flurry's first game of the season that he actually played well. Uh, which I think it sort of put some pep back into his step. Uh, I don't know if you know how badly he was struggling through the first week of the season. It was looking kind of rough. I I did, because I remember looking. I was like, I'm going to do a little research for the Wild game. Let's just take a look at the goaltenders. Oh, their goals against are both above five, and their save percentages start with an eight. Okay, so Marc-Andre Fleury is going to put on a master class because, of course, that's what's going to happen. And lo and behold, we... We got Marc-Andre Fleury back on track. Whether people like us for that or not remains to be seen, but it was the only way it was ever going to happen. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for lighting the fire under him to get him back back on track. He was just uh, he was actually just named the NHL's third star of the week, which I think if you ask anybody two weeks ago, that would not <laughs> happen anytime soon. <laughs> it, it, is, yeah. it is stunning what the Habs do for French-Canadian goalies who might be struggling at that given time when they play them. It's always guaranteed there's going to be some kind of amazing performance for it. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk the whole time about how disappointing the Habs are. <laughs> <laughs> Completely shed all over their performance. Uh, but I mean, what's your like overall uh, like viewpoint and how it's going so far for the Habs? My thought is, I know the ride's going to come to an end at some point in time here, and that's okay because the Canadians were expected to be terrible this year, not win a whole lot of games, potentially draft Connor Bedard. I'm enjoying the ride right now because it's coinciding with Toronto absolutely deciding to have a full early season meltdown. Uh, 
The Habs are a fun team right now. Are they statistically great? Probably not. No. Are they exciting to watch even when they lose? Yeah. Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki rule extremely hard, and a defense with four rookies playing in it is surprisingly sturdy right now, and then the goaltending has been well above par. It's been fun to watch Canadians games this year, whereas last year, under previous coach Dominique Ducharme, it was... You're watching paint dry at a funeral. It was awful, boring hockey with no hope or joy whatsoever. And this year, even if they, you think they're going to lose, there's going to be something worth tuning in for. Yeah, like it's it's obviously nice to see Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki as objectively perform well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I think that was kind of expected. Uh, Cole Caulfield, I think there was like an up and down thing with him where his rookie season, there was some disappointment. And then I think he flew under the radar with a lot of his performance last year where some of the shine had worn off of him from his draft draft year. But outside of that, like, do you think that any of the other, like, early season performers are going to kind of keep it up? I mean, like, is Kirby Doc going to be an NHL player, like a consistent NHL player? Or is Sean Monaghan sort of bouncing back a bit? I, I Kirby Doc is the name I'm glad you mentioned there because everything about his underlying numbers has been really good. And he got promoted to the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield where his creativity and his reach can kind of shine to open up opportunities for the both of them. And I'm really excited to see what that next level is for him. And Sean Monahan, a guy who I'm like, if he plays, you know, 30 games coming back from injury, cool, that's great. I'm not expecting anything. He went from maybe he's a, you know, bottom six forward to he's a guy that they trust as a top six regular guy very quickly. Um, Doc is someone that I'm really uh, happy to see performing well. The points aren't. Maybe is there as much as fans were expecting. He's got one goal in the season, but he's got four assists. But he does all the little things right that eventually leads to goals. Uh, guys like Christian Dvorak are going to you know, bounce back. Um, and I know you want to talk about uh, Marcus Foligno, Brendan Gallagher having slow starts a little bit. Uh, it's going to even out in terms of Cole Caulfield is scoring every game and Brendan Gallagher who can't buy a goal to save his life. And that's perfectly fine with Habs fans, I think, because Caulfield's still on pace for 40-plus goals this year. Yeah, I feel like it's necessary to uh, sort of explain the Kirby Doc situation, because some of the people listening to this might not know. But yeah, the Habs acquired Kirby Doc in a what is the Chicago fire sale, I guess? It's still ongoing, <laughs> I think, at this point. Who knows? Yeah, they decided to cut bait on a 21-year-old third overall pick, because they <laughs> he didn't fit into their rebuild. Uh but it's it's nice to see him uh maybe hopefully this is a better situation for him than it was in Chicago. I mean, it can't be possibly worse. I mean, look at look at the team, right? Somehow Chicago's winning games. I don't understand that at all, but like it it can't possibly be worse, right? Yeah, well, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Chicago's winning by just uh, sheer will and uh, feistiness, but we know that most teams that do that sort of fade pretty quick in the first few weeks of the season. It probably won't be long. Yeah, so uh, I did want to, yeah, I wanted to talk about Marcus Foligno and Brendan Gallagher. I feel like they're similar players, maybe not entirely in their play style, but I feel like they're both kind of the emotional leaders of of their respective teams on the ice. And they're scrappy and score a lot of their goals around the net. Um, 
and also both have had slow starts. Gallagher definitely has the reputation of being a little bit more of a point scorer than Felino is, but Felino did have a pretty great season last year, a huge outlier as far as his production went. Um, Gallagher has not been good this season, as far as I can tell. Um, do you have any like opinions on that he'll pick that up? Uh, the thing with Brendan Gallagher this year is he's coming off of God knows how many surgeries where he was just playing through things from the bubble season into the next season. All the shortened off seasons allowed him no time for surgery and recovery or whatnot for the next season. After the last season ended, he went and he got basically everything fixed. His energy is back where the Canadians need it to be. And I don't think he's going to be a 30 goal guy again, but 15 to 20 ish goals is not out of the realm of possibility because he's getting to the right spots. He's getting opportunities. And even on the power play where the team has struggled, his shooting mechanics are better after they finally fixed his hand several times. It looks like he's not nursing a serious hip injury like he was for most of last year. We're watching him skate was painful to watch. You could tell that he's not well in that. And the efforts there that eventually the goals are going to come in that regard. And the Canadians lineup is far from set at this point. He could be up on the top line for a game and benefit from the Suzuki Caulfield domination or take some of those lesser minutes and get points against lesser competition. I don't think we're going to see him at the peak that we saw him, uh, which I believe was the end of Claude Julien's tenure in Montreal. But I do think that's going to bounce back. Um, and I, the Canadians are kind of banking on that because he's got like four years left on his contract and they would like to get some production out of that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I feel like he's the ultimate example of uh, very hard minutes. Every second that Gallagher's on the ice, he is probably worth about four or five seconds for another player. Uh, yeah, he just, he gets beat up. So, and the thing is, he does what every coach dreams of. Yeah, I was like, oh, how are you going to trade that contract? A lot of teams would love to take a guy like Brendan Gallagher's on just because he plays. I hate to cliche it and you say playoff style hockey, but he's in the net. He's in the dirty areas. He's getting the crap beat out of him most of the time while he's doing that. But coaches love that kind of player. Just like I know coaches are going to love a guy like Marcus Lino. He's tough. He plays defensive minutes. He's a penalty killer. I mean, I would love a guy like that on the team that isn't Josh Anderson because Marcus Foligno, I assume, can stop before he skates into the end boards at one end of the ice. But um, So you noticed that last game too. Yeah, I mean, it's my big... <laughs> or is that an every game thing? <laughs> Someone, I forget who on Twitter asked, like, what's stopping Josh Anderson from becoming an all-star? I'm like, his love of running into the end boards. Dude can skate faster than almost anyone on the Montreal Canadiens. He, he stops about as well as a, a barge trying to not wedge itself in the Suez Canal. It's not pretty, and it's just something we live with. I, every time he hits the boards, I go, please don't blow out your shoulder again. You're getting paid for another f- five years. Don't blow out your shoulder. We can't afford that right now. Yeah, I think we drew comparisons between him and Luis Mendoza from the Mighty Ducks um, because there was a point in the game uh, against the Wilds where he he picked up speed through the neutral zone. And I was like, there's no way he's stopping. Like, he is just going to blow right into the boards. And he did. I'm waiting for him to hit it and shatter the glass on his own. Not hit anybody, just (laughs) himself and just shatter the glass. It's going to happen. And it's going to be funny. It's going to be absolutely hilarious to watch. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do... 
it's tough to say with Gallagher. It'd be really nice to see him bounce back uh, again, objectively. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's tough with the injuries. With the injury stuff, you worry about how much that's really the reason behind you know slow starts and things. Hopefully, and as much as we sort of say that surgeries are a good thing, and they are a good thing, the health your the players' health should always come first before the hockey stuff. They it, it does feel like sometimes when there's a lot of work getting done that it really does limit their mobility and their ability to to contribute. But well, the other thing is the other uh, two players uh, we already touched on Flurry sort of having a slow start and uh, thank you again to the Habs for uh, kicking him out of that <laughs> rut. <laughs> Um, but the goalie situation in Montreal is kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, I feel like the carry price stuff is pretty well documented. We don't really need to talk about that a lot, but, uh, the Sam Montebo is interesting. It feels like, um, he's contributed. Jake Allen is, I guess the Wiley veteran. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny as I look at their stats and Jake Allen had a little bit of a rough outing against the blues. They won. And in spite of the Canadians defense basically leaving him out to dry for four goals, he's got a 909 on the season. He's sub three in goals against Samuel Montembeau has been the most impressive part to me. One, he's not playing with a wrist injury like he did through the end of last season because the Canadians went, Caden Primo's not ready for the NHL. And if we keep bringing him up here and letting him get destroyed, we're going to stunt his development. So they convinced Samuel Montembeau just to get treatment and play through a wrist injury that limited who knows what and he's been surprisingly technically good this season and Allen has been about as solid as you can ask for for a guy who was never meant to be the starting goalie in Montreal he was meant to be the 1b to carry prices 1a maybe play 30 35 games to give the actual starter a break for the first time in Montreal Canadiens history with carry price there and that all went out the window and he's He's taken it all in stride. He knows exactly what he is in for with this team is that they're not going to be good. He's going to have tough nights, but he wants to get that team through, you know, the rough patch and, you know, do his due diligence for the team there. It is very nice to see him put together some strong performances. He has a very calming presence in net for a team that's rebuilding, not having to worry about the guy between the pipes is just one less thing to focus on. And they can actually work on, okay, what is the defense doing? What can we improve on that? Where are the forwards and what are they doing? They can trust Allen and Montembeau and Net because they know what they're getting now. And that's a huge, huge thing for them because they couldn't last year. They couldn't analyze anybody because the puck would go in off of someone's ass or off the stanchion behind them. It's like <laughs> any weird goal happened. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong last year for the Montreal Canadiens. And this year, it's still not perfect but they're at least able to break down and analyze, you know, who's there because the goaltenders are finally giving them actual saves right now. Yeah. And I don't know what the actual splits are, but I think it's, uh, Allen started six of the games and Montembeau started three yes. of them. Like, I mean, with, with the numbers that they've, that Montembeau has put up, do you, like, do you think there is a chance that he ends up sort of outpacing Allen by the end of the Unless year? Unless Allen, you know, ends up injured or, you know, needs a break for anything, I don't really think so. I think they've got it that for every, like, two or three games Allen is starting, Montembeau will start, you know, one off of that there. And, like, they're giving Montembeau the matchups that you would expect. You know, he played uh, the Buffalo Sabres. He's playing teams that aren't as, I don't want to say offensively gifted because the Sabres are an actually – very fun, dangerous team this year. 
But against teams like the Wild, who have that offensive pressure and can score goals at will, they're going to want Jake Allen in there to kind of, you know, stabilize things a little bit. Because when Montembeau gets out of sorts a little bit, it's um, it's like you combined bad Tim Thomas with a child on pixie sticks and you just get, <laughs> it might be amazing. It might be a disaster. You don't know until the ref blows the whistle and either the puck's in the net or Samuel Montembeau has, you know, made a whole bunch of people wince watching him sprawl around in net there. So I feel like you're describing late stage Jonathan Quick. I, yeah. No one, <laughs> here's the thing is they don't wander out of the net though and get lost and then get angry at their defensemen or anything like that. Oh, so okay. <laughs> they might get lost, but they're not like wandering to the over to play a puck in like the face off dot or anything like that. They just get trapped behind the net sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, for the wild. Um, yeah. Flurry is, uh, has if, if it's going to continue the way it has for the last few games, um, I think it's just Flurry is going to be who he is. Uh, he is fairly advanced in age. <laughs> so I don't know how much longer uh, we can expect a 38-year-old goaltender to start, like, 50 games. That might be asking a lot, honestly. So, um, yeah, we uh, the Wild had got Philip Gustafson um, in the Camp Talbot trade with Ottawa, and he's a bit of a an experiment uh higher ish draft pick and he's been good he's been okay he's been a backup so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how it pan how it plays out further into the season when he ends up inevitably probably getting more starts so i was gonna say i i remember i've seen gustafson a lot uh through the ahl with the belleville senators playing uh the rocket a ton is that a thing that it's just a bad start to the season because like i look at the wilds like and I know plus minuses and everything, but like I look at like Matt Zuccarillo and Kaprizov and everyone, it's like, wow, they've got double digit points and then there's such a negative. Is the Wilds power play kind of helping pace the team right now uh, versus five on five play? I think it has helped them win games. Um, it's kind of, they're in a weird situation. So those first two games, they got shelled. So that 14 goals in two games is completely unacceptable. <laughs> uh, and that sort of inflated, that sort of inflated plus minuses to a bit. Uh, it feels like for the first time in years, they have a good power play. Um, it's definitely been the outlier for what this team has sort of done in the past. But I don't think, I think it hasn't really made it seem the power play hasn't made the team seem better than it actually is i think it was just really bad goaltending in the first few games really really tanked them and and made them seem like they were a trash fire when they probably weren't they were just figuring some stuff out it is really odd that their defensive play was really really bad um to begin the season when there really wasn't much roster turnover on defense and it they haven't changed anything systems wise they're still playing essentially the same game they played before but they are also a team that relies on forwards to play a lot of defense because they expect the the defenseman to jump up into the rush no matter what. So, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, the power play has been good. That's basically <laughs> the, the takeaway. The power play has been good, and it's been nice. And we won't ask any questions beyond that. <laughs> I mean, but Gustafson's also been decent. I was gonna say it's always it's good to you know it, like the weird part about the Canadians this year: power play terrible, one of the worst in the league. Penalty kill surprisingly in the top 10 despite it being anchored by mostly david savard who um is not immobile but as close to a mobile as you can get for a defenseman in the modern nhl 
Uh, you don't I feel like that's his calling card, isn't it? Being immobile, just being a puck. Man. Every now and then, though, he he gets the puck through the neutral zone. He makes the same toe drag cut to the slot every single time, and it works. And then he either gets a highlight reel assist or a goal out of it. I it happens like five or six times a year, but every time it happens, it's like, man, if you were the one defending him, you got to retire because the dude moves like. It, uh, imagine a school bus trying to execute like a 180 turn like in a four-way intersection that's the way that he moves it's not pretty but every now and then he just it works is it going to be against the wild no probably not would it be amazing if he did it anyways yes so we'll be right back right after this quick break When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, the last thing I think we'll probably touch on is uh, I think there's probably some interesting rookies on both sides of the the ice for these two teams. Um, Matt Boldy, uh, we will quietly protest and say that he should have won Calder last year, but uh, he's not really a rookie anymore. But we do have Marco Rossi, um, who has struggled to get ice time. Um how has Slavkowski done? He's just coming back from an upper body injury that he suffered against uh, the Arizona Coyotes. He scored in that game and famously told uh, Josh Brown to fuck off after scoring the goal. Uh, <laughs> him and Arbor Jack, I fellow rookie, missed a couple of games, came back against St. Louis, got power play time for the first time this season and immediately just blasted a slap shot from outside the faceoff dot into the net for what uh, ended up being a third straight goal for the Canadians in that. You can tell he's still working his way through the NHL in terms of like speed and pace of the game and just the spacing on the rink. But as he's putting it together, you see him make a lot of plays that you want to see from a first overall pick. He, going back to the first game of the season, he was carrying the puck out. He has John Tavares bearing down on him. John Tavares is a very good defensive forward. And he looked him off with a really strong head fake and took off down the ice to help set up a scoring chance, drew a penalty on the play. He makes smart reads. He's far from a finished product, but you can see why the Canadians liked him. He's massive. He's hard to knock off the puck. And when he's using his reach effectively, he's just collecting pucks along the boards and putting them into dangerous positions. He's once he finally gets it put all together, he's someone that really feels like it's going to be a nuisance to try and handle just being, you know, that big at 18 years old, being one of the heaviest guys in the NHL. He's going to be he's going to be a problem when he finally figures it all out in terms of speed and pace of play. Uh, Same goes for Arbor Jacki and Caden Gooley. They've had their moments, good and bad. But overall, they look like they aren't scared to be playing at the NHL level. There's no. There's no learning curve for them. They jumped right in into the deep end and have held their spots extremely well so far. 
Yeah, Arbor Jack, I also like had the championship experience, depending on how you feel about that, <laughs> in the the OHL before he was drafted, but or I guess after he was drafted, but before he joined the uh, the Canadians. Um, has there ever been like unanimous support for a rookie, uh, like in your paying attention of the Canadians, like there has been for Jack? I here's the thing: is I originally was someone who didn't know what he was going to become. Because I looked at his OHL things, I'm like, he's an overager. His offensive number's climbing, great. Yeah, he's absolutely destroying dudes. He's also 20 years old. And then I watched him play at the prospect tournament in Buffalo. And then I watched him play through the preseason. And I went, okay, he's still got some things to iron out here. But this is a guy who can skate, can more than hold his own physically. He's become such a cult hero in Montreal already in his rookie season. <laughs> When they released the reverse retros, his jersey was the first one sold out, which is wild. That's crazy. <laughs> like, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Carey Price. Nope. Arbor Jack, I was the first sold out reverse retro jersey. People <laughs> love that dude so, so much. And then him just absolutely ragdolling Zach Cassian brought him to a lot of other people's attention here in the NHL very quickly. Yeah, I feel like with even with Caulfield and Suzuki, there seem to be like splits in the Habs fan base about like how much they they really liked them. I think it's a little bit different now, but but with Jack Eye, yeah, it seems like everybody was on board right away with him. It's the weirdest thing. Skill player, dude who set every record at every level he played at. I don't know. Hey, that dude beat the crap out of a guy. Yo, I love that man. I would die for that. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it, you know, live your best life <laughs> if you must, but it is very wild, like you said, that it goes from, I don't know, to, okay, come on. Okay, well, uh, we will actually wrap it up there. Um, like, like we said earlier, the Habs and the Wild will be playing tonight, um, and back in Minnesota for the Wild for the first time in five games. They, they're just, they just wrapped up their longest road trip of the season now <laughs> which i think is a bit of an outlier for most schedules but uh it should be a fun game should be an exciting game uh i'm gonna assume that they're gonna play flurry against the habs because he seems to always uh like playing against them um but thank you so much for joining me tonight Scott. uh thank you so much for having me always happy to you know hop on and talk canadians arbor jack guy beating dudes up etc um <laughs> if anyone wants to watch my take on this you can just follow me on Twitter at Scott Madla on Twitter or follow my other podcast at LO underscore Canadians uh, with my fantastic co-host, The Active Stick. We do a show five days a week because we are insane people. So, yeah, this is just a one <laughs> once a week thing. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you so much, Scott. Have you a good too. Night. Thanks.